When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast today everybody uh black trey won't be appearing on bomb anymore uh he's retired uh instead though we got a new guy a big time big deal guy marketing guy from new york city his name's trav hey trav how's it going trav from widen kennedy i don't know who that is but uh (laughs) thanks for joining what's up man i I appreciate you man showing love and all that what's what's the deal i i I love that (laughs) this is how i know Trade up made it. It's not the it's not the the Instagram post of him just looking like a completely different person. <laughs> Glasses and a smile, like, hi, I'm the new black guy in the office. It's not that. No. It's when I got a text saying, This is my new number. <laughs> I said, Oh, he's switching numbers. He's leaving <laughs> oh, a whole man. host of people behind. Like, you guys are my past and this is my future. I'm glad I made it to the future, Trav. We made the cut. We made the cut, B. How oh, about that? Man. Oh, y'all are so dramatic, dog. No, man, it had nothing to do with that, bro. No, I get I've it, man. Get, I've been getting harassed by uh, debt collectors from the previous number, whoever helped my number before. And it had got to a point where I yelled, and I never yell. I yelled at the people like, this ain't her number no more. They've been looking for this lady for like two years, and I just kind of got sick and tired of it. Um, so, so my question so it, is this: It fell under harassment, though. But the timing so, was perfect because obviously I had to update my address. Um, I'm located in a, uh, in Portland, Oregon now, so that's cool. So my question is this: What's up, you, big dog? You you got a three one zero number now. I don't know if I give out too much information there. No, it's fine. How hard is it to get a three one zero? Because I know, like for instance, in New York, there's certain area codes that are like. You get one of those. It, this is the holiest of the holy. Like if you had a nine one seven in New York, woof, you are a big deal because there's just they nine one seven used to be the mobile area code at a time when okay. people were getting on beepers and stuff. Okay. And then eventually everyone got a cell phone, so nine one seven ran out real quick. But if you have a nine one seven, it is a it is a status symbol. How did you, how hard is it to keep a three one zero? I don't think it's hard because they recycle the numbers, but you have to also think about when you're asking for a new one, it might not be that many left. 
And I just, I really begged and pleaded for like a new number because I didn't want to deal with um, the, the harassment that I was just getting from a previous, you know, previous owner of it, looking, trying to track them down. You know what I mean? I hope that they've been found in a scenario to help their credit or something. But, you know, I, getting calls at 5 a.m. just wasn't it. What if they had told you the only available area code they got for you is a 424? I'm not doing it. I would have got the I would have got the NYC number. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. For us that don't know, what's uh what's four two four? Uh it's New Compton. So they pretty much tried to bully. So three one zero and three two three are original LA numbers, right? And then two one three. Two one three. Well, actually, three one zero and two one three was first. Then everybody kind of accepted three two three, and now Compton has been ported over to four two four. And when you if I call you. It'll come up as Beverly Hills. So somebody, anytime I call, somebody's like, "Oh, who calling from Beverly Hills?" I'm like, "Not nah, it's Compton," but they've kind of ported that over as that's the prime location number for three one zero quote unquote motors and all that other stuff. So we we're gentrifying area codes. Area codes, yeah. That's that's the wild thing about it. Because think about what's what's the number in Philly, Jerry? It'd be two one five normally, right? Two. 215, and if they ever try and give me 610 or 267, I'm not. I'm See, not there you go. It. I I'm think it's just like, that. 215. And then B, what <laughs> about you? What would be the error code from where you from? 336. Okay, so what Classic. would be all? So what would be an off-deck number that they would try to give you now? They, they don't even have it yet. They get we haven't got to that point. crazy. <laughs> they have <laughs> Back to the future-ass city. But oh, look, but I mean, also Vegas is seven hundred two. There's no other area code, so yeah. that's it. Yeah, that but is, you know, if, that they, is. if they came out with a new area code for Vegas, no one would want to mess with that. You want a seven hundred two? Absolutely not. Absolutely, like, that's an iconic number. Seven hundred two is an iconic number. No one wants to deal with no one. With the New York ones that I remember when three four seven dropped, and I was like, that just sounds disgusting. And then they came out with another one after that, and I was like, this is something else. Um, Atlanta is another one, right? 404 was the area code. 404 or 770. And then they came out with 678. And it's just like, it doesn't even sound like a real real area code. So shout out to area codes. I got pros in all of them. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we got a show today. P-Valley is back with its season finale. We've got uh, Rough Riders, the last two episodes of the Rough Riders Chronicles, which have been remarkable. We've got Lovecraft Country, which I feel very John Gervais-esque on this. Deep sighs and eye rolls. And and we'll get to it. I'll get deeper on that. We'll get to it. But I guess we want to start with the story, the new story that's kind of gripped the nation over the last couple of days. Uh, the passing of actor Chadwick Boseman, who died at age 43, stage four colon cancer, a disease that he had and fought for the last four years in complete secrecy and privacy. Nobody, not his friends, not his coworkers, uh, nobody outside, I guess, his immediate circle of his family knew that he was dealing with this disease mainly because he didn't talk about it and also because he kept on with his life. He kept on making movies, physically taxing movies, right? Black Panther, the Avenger movies. I mean, Captain Captain America Civil War came out before he caught the cancer. But 
just a, a, an incredibly bright career in a very sh- short amount of time. I didn't realize that 42 was his first like major movie role. Before that, he'd been doing TV stuff here and there. And so 42 came out in 2013, and uh, Avengers Endgame came out in 2019. So six years, he, he put out banger after banger after banger. And as I just said, most of those were uh, as he suffered from cancer. And we uh, got on Sunday night, ABC had a really nice tribute to him uh, where they talked to a lot of his co-workers and co-hosts and people who knew him way back when. He's got a really interesting life story, if you hadn't heard. You know, he went to Howard University, uh, you know, Bachelor's of Fine Arts. He wanted to be, I believe, a director at first. He didn't even want to be an actor. Uh, his One of his professors was Felicia Rashad, better known as Claire Huxtable, uh, also Adonis Creed's mama, or stepmom, I guess, um, in the Creed movies. She was his professor at Howard, and, you know, when the opportunity for him to go to Oxford University for kind of a, 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 a program, an acting program that he couldn't afford to go on, Felicia Rashad reached out to a friend of hers and said, hey, I've got these students who want to go to this thing. They, they deserve it, but can't afford it. And that famous friend said, yeah, I got it. He put down some money and those people got to go. And years later, Chadwick Boseman discovered that that famous friend was actually Denzel Washington. Uh, and he discovered it because Denzel met him at a premiere and said, hey, you owe me some money, which is... I thought it was a pretty funny story. Um, so he's kind of had this, this career that was highlighted by these iconic roles, uh, touched by some of the biggest names in acting along the way, touched by so many different uh, you know, lives, touching so many different lives. And also, he, he clearly had an approach that, was about taking the right role, not necessarily any role. If any of you guys ever watched Hollywood Shuffle, which is a, a great movie that Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayans made a long, long time ago. It was their first movie that they made. They made it on a budget. They made it on credit. They made it in black and white, I believe. Uh, most of it was in black and white uh, to save money. Uh, but they talk about in that movie, like the, the shortcuts that exist for black actors in this industry often are shortcuts that are demeaning roles or roles that are don't portray and don't represent the black people and the black culture in a positive light. And so he made it a, a choice to choose roles that did not compromise those ideals. And uh, I want to open it up to the panel right now and ask you guys if you have a specific Chad Bozeman memory that you want to share or something that you learned about him in the last few days uh, that, that, you know, was enlightening. I guess uh, we'll start with Trav. <laughs> this dude, man, he's killing me. I'm glad that we can find some type of light during this this, this celebration of life. But, um, no, I mean, I was, I can't say that I was like the biggest fan, but I also wasn't like, I always tapped into most of his movies. I think the Five Bloods hits different now. I'll say that. Um, I like Black Panther. I like 
you know, uh, I forgot the the actual title of the James Brown, the James Brown movie. Get up, get on up, get, get up. on up. He was killer in that. Like he was killer in everything. And I, I, I looked at his, you know, hit the track, the tracking of all the movies that he played were very significant to the culture and what they were trying to give back and, and had like messages, you know what I mean? But I think the, the craziest thing I take, I took from all this was that, he was diagnosed with cancer in 2016 and that crazy run to just kind of be private and not tell anyone and, and, and just be like, he beat cancer. That's how I felt. You know what I mean? Cause mostly when you think about people getting cancer, it's over. It's like, let's, let's just call it a wrap and prepare. He, he made the best of his 24, every single chance he got. And, you know, obviously although it caught us all in a, a shock, cause I think it was like around AP like around 8 p.m. when it rolled out, um, when AP actually announced it. But, and I, I think it was Jerb that told us in the chat about it. And I was caught off guard because I'm just like, oh no, what happened? And they hear that I was cancer like, and it never leaked. Shout out to his family and his team and, and keeping that very personal to, you know, allow him to create that, that mastery that he created. You know what I mean? Like, I felt awful thinking about children that really looked up to him. You know what I mean? watching watching black panther and just you know i really wasn't feeling the whole rollout of parents recording their kids while they're telling them that he passed and stuff we'll get to that we'll get to that but you know like his legacy will live on you know what i mean however you want to take it you know what i'm saying it's not like you're gonna be bashing those type of movies that he was in because you know each role that he played he highlighted a, a important black figure or something related black related, you know what I mean? To, to uplift us, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then watching the, just the interviews and stuff, like just different stuff. Like, I think it was one where he's, people are talking to the poster and he comes out and Jimmy Kimmel and then he's giving hugs and stuff like that. And then also, um, him breaking down, talking about the kids that passed away before seeing black Panther. That was intense seeing it now and actually knowing the backstory of him going through all that as well. And then also, um, going to visit the children's hospitals of, you know, the cancer patients and him also having cancer. Like it just, it just makes you look at things a little bit different. Um, I'm not going to like sass the people that made jokes on Twitter because people just make jokes regardless. Um, but you never know what people are going through. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I can't say that people are going to take this as a lesson learned because shit, they was, they was joking on somebody else earlier. Yep, back to the jokes. It's always going to be back to the yeah, jokes. Yeah, it's always right? going to be back to the jokes. But it was one of those pause moments. Um, you know, everybody became doctors trying to tell people how to eat and all that other stuff. My my only advice to take away from this is make the best of your time. Between Chadwick and Kobe, like, them dudes, they they went after it, dog. Like, whenever you, you, you have no excuse, dog. I don't care how tired you are or how you feeling. You know, we all on God's borrowed time, and that's how I feel if you can contribute to that. B, uh, how'd you take it? What what were some of the things that you learned over the last couple of days? Um, I'm going to say I'm a huge Chadwick Boseman fan, and I've been a huge fan of his for many years. So I can say that I've probably seen every interview, talk show, whatever, like anything that he was on, because he gave such few appearances that I always was tuned in. So the only thing that I learned was that he got married <laughs> between sometime this year, you know, before passing away. Um, 
I knew that he was supposed to get married this year. And I knew that was something that he was, you know, looking forward to. But um, I've always looked up to him. He's always been an inspirational person. That that night, um, so because he is so quiet and reserved, especially on social media, I turn on his notifications so that whenever he would post on Instagram, I would get a notification to my phone, same with Twitter. And just so that night I get a notification, like a new tweet from Chadwick Boseman. And I'm like, oh shit. Cause he really hadn't said a thing in a few weeks. The last thing he posted was about Kamala Harris and, you know, getting out to vote. You know, he was very excited um, for her to, you know, be vi uh, vice president, uh, running for vice president. But um, I read that tweet and I froze. I've never, it was just so unexpected and it really hurt because I've watched his entire career, but also seen his weight go up and down. I've, you know, of course everyone has their jokes, but knowing that he was a vegan, he was really careful about his health. He worked out, he had a, you know, a pretty intense workout regimen, you know, to keep up with the grueling schedule of being an action movie star. Um, I just thought it was for a role. The last thing I ever wanted to believe was that he was sick. So I always pushed it out of my head. So to see that he actually passed away, I was, I was so shook. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe for it for a minute, but I really want to shout out to his team for being so tight lipped about this and allowing him to do this on his terms we didn't get it from a TMZ, you know, because, yeah. you know, they can't wait to come in and <laughs> spill anybody's tea when people aren't ready. Right. Right. So um, I'm just when when I, I'm not a fan of many people like <laughs> at all. So to be a fan of Kobe and then to lose him, I really was press to learn more about Chadwick. Whenever I could watch anything that he had anything to do with, I was there for it. And the last thing that I remember him being a part of was the shop. And he right. spoke about his, his, um, the times that he's had conversations with Kobe and, uh, he, it, he, the crazy thing is B, he had to know, right. When he's doing that episode, he yeah. knows. That's the wild thing about all of the stuff we're talking about. We're not talking about, yeah. oh, man, this guy was in the prime of his career and was taken off, and, and then he tragically, unexpectedly passed away. It was unexpected for us. But I can't yeah. imagine the burden. Forget about keeping the secret. Keeping the secret is hard enough. The burden of knowledge, it's a wrap. Right. And I actually had the beautiful opportunity to meet him back in November because I love Chadwick so much as an artist, he inspired me to go back into, you know, I began writing again. I got a brand new camera so I could, you know, get back into photography, uh, teaching myself filmmaking and directing because of him. I wanted to tell black stories. I want to tell unique stories. And, you know, he always spoke about, you know, not playing the stereotype. 
to always, you know, choose characters with depth and meaning and, you know, a real beautiful story, no matter how, you know, conflicted someone is, it's still a beautiful and unique story that, um, he wanted to portray. And so I remember I went to New York, I had tickets to go see him in the cast of 21 Bridges. They were speaking at, um, build in New York city, um, the little Yahoo Verizon build series that they have. And after it was all over, well, even before it even began, he walked into the room and I didn't see him, but I felt a shift in the room because he was a very quiet, but powerful presence. He had an aura about him. And I've heard people say this before, like, you know, people that he's been in movies with, like when he's on set, you feel it. And this is before he passed away. They're not saying this because he's, right. you know, no longer here. Not to be nice. Yeah, right. Yeah. People have always said this about him, that he is a very powerful, he has a very powerful presence. And he was standing right beside me. I just was so like, I think like chills came over my body. I watched the interview. He was incredible. He's so articulate. He's an incredible orator and he can describe a movie. And of course, everyone wants to always relate everything back to Black Panther, but he shows people that he's more than that. He's, you know, he talks about how the script of 21 Bridges was originally written for white people. Like there were no black men in that movie. You know, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but it's uh, Chadwick Boseman and Stephen James who play, you know, huge parts in the movie. And so he just talks about, you know, playing a cop in today's society. You know, of course, it, it wasn't like Black Lives Matter and, you know, we're talking about crooked cops or anything. It was just the way that it was played. It was perfect. Like, he conveyed everything that we needed in these crazy ass times. And so after we were instructed to not speak to anybody, you know, the cast of 21 bridges, but me, I'm stubborn. And I, <laughs> I had an opportunity to tell him exactly what I thought and what I felt about him. I'm not going to share that because that's just something I'm going to keep with, with, you know, in my heart forever. But he was so, he just listened to me, the eye contact, the way that he listened and the interaction that we had, it was beautiful. I didn't get a picture of course, but I didn't need it. Kind of feel like it was like when I met Kobe, I'm like, you know what? This moment is so special. I'm cool. Although I did um, end up meeting him again later. And my friend was begging me to take a picture, but I'm like, you know what? It's cool. I know one day I'm going to meet him again and I'm going to tell him about the interaction that we had before. And, you know, I wanted to meet in that industry, in that, in my element. You know what I mean? As a, yeah, as a peer, not as a fan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do kind of regret not getting a photo, just a little, but it will, like losing Chadwick kind of changes the way that I'm going to interact with people from here on out. Like, I'm going to give people their flowers. I gave him his flowers. You know, I told him, you know, what I thought about him and how much he impacted me. But, you know, from here on now, I'm just going to be more vocal about how I feel about people. Uh, Jerv, your thoughts? I, I know I saw in the special your your buddy Mark Lamont Hill was in there. Uh, he made an appearance in that ABC special for Chadwick Boseman. Uh, what were your 
you know, your thoughts over the, the last 72 hours or so. So when I found out, um, I had found out I was at work and I was working, you know, just doing my normal one too. And I just heard mad people like running in the newsroom. And if anyone, you know what I mean? If anyone's been around any type of like TV environment, or even if you watch television, when you hear people running, like, you know, something happened. So, you know, my homie came in and told me, you know, he had passed. And I was just like, you know, my initial thought was like, this is crazy because I had just started like kind of trying to revisit some of the things I didn't realize that he was in. I knew he was in Jackie Robinson. I never had, I really had never watched it. I think I watched like bits and pieces and I didn't realize like Thurgood Marshall. I didn't, I, um, um, I didn't, I didn't watch the movie be talked about, but the last thing I saw was, you know, the five bloods and like Trey said, you know, it, when you, when you kind of look at it, you, 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 you know, like you look at it in, with a different uh, perspective at this point um, to know that this man was going through something so crazy. Um, and he did not, you know, he didn't let it affect him. I mean, it was affecting him, but he didn't really let it show. Yeah. And, you know, uh, not to sound like a broken record, but like I'm with Trey, like, you know, if anything I take from this man, you know, homie lived every, he got the most out of every 24 hours he was given, you know what I mean? Um, and that is something that is, I mean, keep it real, it's inspirational, right? Like that's something that we all like to say that we do. That's all something that, that we all like, I would say not we all, but I would think most people would like to be able to live every day, not as if it's their last, but to live every day to the best that they can possibly live at that particular day. And um, to know that's what it was, you know, it's, you know, to know that's what he was doing, that's, you know, that's, that's amazing to me. Um, I had no idea. Usually when people come up and something happens, you hear everyone say, you know, oh, this person was amazing. But to, to see interviews prior and to still see people still saying like the same things they were saying, but not even more. And being able to see like their raw emotions just lets you know how impactful this human being was. And for him to have been in so many um, inspirational roles, like I said, I didn't realize most of them. I'm just, I'm not a follower of actors or actresses that much. Like, you know what I mean? I, whatever movie comes out, I'll go check it if I want to check it, but I don't really look at people's catalogs and things of that nature. So I was shocked, uh, not shocked, uh, amazed at his catalog and just to know that the type of, the type of roles he was selecting, didn't hear that speech that he gave and kind of explaining why he takes the certain roles that he takes or whatever, how he's, you know, he turns down certain things. It was just dope, man. And, you know, you just realize how good of a person and how impactful of a person that, you know, not just the world, but like his family, his close ones. And, you know, like everybody said already, shout out to them. Um, That's amazing to, to be able to have that's, that's dope on their part to respect his wishes and, and and to let it be play out how he wanted to play out and not put it in the you know the not have people most likely out here feeling bad for him because that's not what he wanted he wanted right. to just do it yeah uh, i just want to leave y'all with this i know i wish waz were here actually because you know waz was not a big fan of comic book movies he just feel, finds them 
lacking realism and stuff like that. And I know there are a lot of people who feel that way. I'm not here to vilify anyone. You like what you like. I can't force you to like something, but I can't ask you to respect the work that went into it. And specifically on this, touching on what we all kind of mentioned about Chadwick and the, the, the grace he carried about himself. He had this interview that he did uh, when Black Panther was coming out with CNET.com. The interviewer said, you spent a lot of time thinking about how the king of an advanced African nation speaks, specifically your accent, your intonation. Tell us about it. And Chadwick responded, people think about how race has affected the world. It's not just in the States. Colonialism is the cousin of slavery. Colonialism in Africa would have it that in order to be a ruler, his education comes from Europe, his being the Chala. I wanted to be completely sure that we didn't convey the idea that that idea, because that would be counter to everything Wakanda is about. It's supposed to be the most technologically advanced nation on the planet. If it's supposed to not have been conquered, which means that advancement has happened without colonialism tainting it, poisoning the well, without stopping it or disrupting it, then there's no way he would speak with a European accent. If I did that, I would be conveying a white supremacist idea of what being educated is, what being royal or presidential is. Because it's not just about him running around fighting. He's the ruler of a nation. And if he's the ruler of a nation, he has to speak to his people. He has to galvanize his people. And there's no way I could speak to my people who have never been conquered by Europeans with a European voice. That is such an incredibly thoughtful, thoughtful kind of, he didn't just go out there, hear the lines, all right, let me act the line. I'm angry. I'm sad. He, he thought about what this character would be like god he really gave so much of a fuck about everything that he did to think <laughs> that deep into it to go that far back and to 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 figure out why that was so important and then to not only do that but you know go to africa and study the dialect and have a dialect coach from you know south africa to make sure it sounds as authentic as possible because even if you go back to his comments when he just is speaking, people are like, I thought, I thought you were from, I thought you're from Africa. Like, what's this accent? Like what <laughs> you're American. So that's how he really, he cared so much. And, you know, I heard the same thing about, you know, James Brown, where he had to embody that swagger and that voice and that everything about James Brown. And it took a long time for him to like rid himself of, this James Brown aura that he had to carry around while he's filming. He, he learned the dances. He did the dances. He, he did went the to the choreography. Yes. Five hours a day of choreography. Yes. Like he could have easily, we've seen a million of these biopics, could have easily shoot from the waist down, let some trained dancer come do the James Brown mashed potatoes dance and then cut back to the top. He said, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And that's, you got to respect it from the standpoint of just the artwork of someone going that method. But you yes. also have to respect it from the standpoint he really respected the roles that he played. He really had a... Where he sat and beyond the script thought about these characters, whether they were real like James Brown or fictional like T'Challa. So we lost, we lost a great one. We lost a great one, but hopefully he can inspire millions of people in, in his passing. Uh, more so than, than he did really, even when he was alive. So R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. We move on to our next topic. Uh, Rough Riders, 
Let's do Rough Riders. Why not? I I only watched the the second the fourth episode. I didn't watch the fifth episode. So let Jerv get his host uh, on this time, man. I want to hear Jerv. Jerv, you want just Jerv, to, lead the way. Just to look at his face though. That's why I want him to host. <laughs> um. So I enjoy, you didn't really you, you don't really miss anything with the 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 last episode to me. You know, it kind of just wraps everything up, and then they give you. Um, what's uh, what's which one is it? Why or D? Um, not the one that got in the accident. Why? Why? Uh, they you know they kind of show what he's doing now, whatever. And I'm kind of cool. I don't you know. Shout out to his son. That's dope. <laughs> but I, you know, I mean, I didn't need that. That that was something that could have been in the last. You like, know, they had to sneak minute, that in. Minute, no, listen. No, nothing I, I can get be it. perfect. I get it. They I know get how it, to bro. muck it up. I get it, bro. It's marketing. You know what I mean? He had a million some views or eyes on it. Now everybody knows his, his son. But I think that um, it was dope watching like the third, the uh, the fourth episode, which would be the one where that's the one where they kind of show like the downfall. And, you know, what I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, like, I, I know you you remember the era, Trey, you might. Or whatever, like as far as like how it really, really mm-hmm. was. But like for me, that thing was a crazy movement, and then out of nowhere, it was just like, like it was gone. Yeah. Like I, I mean, you you knew. I mean, you, you I, had I, an idea. I didn't know what was. I knew the obviously exit had had issues, right? Uh, when he got to Arizona, they didn't really touch on it in the fourth episode. I don't know if they touched. That on was a great. Show. That was a great reality TV show too, by the way. Yeah, I would, I would yeah, watch that exactly. again. Oh yeah. But also, he was erratic. Like, again, like, the drug use was apparent at a time. I didn't know the drug use had been going on the entire time, right? By the time he was in Arizona, like, we knew. My man's on crack. Like, like it was just, it was obvious, right? Um, but, again, he also it also gave us, I thought, a really solid album in the Great Depression, uh, which I didn't know was recorded in Arizona. So... Uh, I, like the downfall, I like the things that I didn't know. Jerv was stuff like that. The, obviously, the the friction behind the scenes. He, he felt the type of way of not getting a cut of the label, and I built it. And I don't remember any of that stuff. I remember Bloodline. I just figured that's what every rapper does because you're signed to a deal, so you want to be an owner. So then you start your own label and sign other acts, and then when your your current deal is up. You switch to your own label. Um, I didn't know that was that was what, what was happening there behind the scenes. So let me ask you this, Trey: when you when you watching uh, when you're watching the the, the four episode or whatever, like how is it for you? Are you like really into it? Like I mean, because because like I said, I lived it. Yeah, I'm a little older, so I remember it differently, whatever the case may be. Is it like shocking to you or you you felt you you kinda had an idea of everything that was kind of well, going on? Well it's kinda on? similar to like no limit. You know, every dog has their day. No pun. But like <laughs> in that in that scenario, like you have to look at it like during that shift, Irv helping DMX was kind of transition of like murdering. And then Rockefeller just like, boom, you feel me? It was kind of like no limit in cash money where yeah. cash money was just like, boom, like, all right, we about to take off. So like, although they had all the talent and everybody like Eve start acting and she started doing her stuff, like everybody was kind of starting to, you know, do their own thing. And and the fact that DMX was just, 
I hate to call him a crackhead, man, but yeah, man, him. Yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah, he's like, pretty much had. Not someone who tried crack. Yeah, like, well, you know, DMX a crack being a crackhead and then obviously being so young and not, you know what I mean? Because like we have social social media, like so I didn't have an optical on him like every week he's on TMZ or something like that. It was just kind of like, okay, his movie's coming out. Oh, he got an album. Not knowing that. That dude probably went on a two-week binge of crack before he probably finished that movie or created that album, you know what I mean? And, like, still excellent at that time. And when you start seeing him get arrested and more arrested, obviously, he was kind of out of sight, out of mind, because Jay-Z was there now for me. And it was easy to for me to walk away from certain artists. Transition. Yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's easy. When you look at that, that's like anybody. Like, right now, Drake is hot. But, like, if there was another artist that, that was just really just kind of blowing out of the water... We won't lose any sleep. We're like, dang, it's cold how y'all did Drake. It'd be like, okay, he's the next nigga up. That's just the game. Like Ice Cube yeah. knew. Ice Cube said it, right? When they were like, what do you think about Pusha T going up against Drake? He was like, in rap, you low-key get a three to four year run if you're lucky. And if you get that and you're still able to make music there, great. But like, you have your chance to be at the top and then that next person comes. And obviously we were switching with genres and same thing. Like, I mean, and, and, and Jerry probably will frown up about this, but like <laughs> the West Coast when game dropped, right? We thought we had a breath of fresh air. And then Atlanta came and was like, nope. You know what I'm saying? Nope. And, and and Atlanta's been yeah. kicking ass for a long The South in general, I'm going to say Atlanta. The South in general has been kicking ass for so long that even New York started to say, let me get some of them beats. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, start, and all those rappers, the Yo Son niggas, was like, now doing all that shit like talking down south yo yeah they yo sons let me let me cool it watch though because i'm about to be out. a new yorker watch out yeah, yeah let me chill out because things <laughs> might get me up in the boroughs i'm cool i'll be in yonkers uh yo you, the the movie deal thing was hilarious i had no idea he was in a million of them things but he he messed it up he had a deal 50 million dollar deal and he blew it because he just didn't want to show up. Crackhead tendencies, man. Hey, but you also got to look at the thing too, though. I mean, is that he never was flashy. He was constantly giving shit away. He really, he might have been the most friendliest crackhead you know. Because it wasn't a trade-off oh, yeah. for crack. It was just like, I don't care about none of this. The only ills of the world that yeah. I really love, obviously, you know, I love, I think he got a bunch of kids. But... Shouts to his, his ex-wife, too. She was holding that. Listen, I don't know too many people that's that loyal, bro. She seen that nigga <laughs> blasting up. She done seen him go in and out of jail. She done watch him have baby on top of baby to, you know, still be able to. I don't know if she got a cut off of that. I hope she got a cut off of that just to be involved in that. But, man, she was loyal, bro. Yeah, the, the, uh, the other thing was that I thought was interesting was how the locks got off a of bad boy. Yeah. And all my life. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, B. Yo, three million. Three million. That sounds low, right? Or does it sound like a lot? For me, that sounds like a lot. What? At the time though. At yeah. the time when, when, when people were selling records where platinum was a thing that happened because you were actually selling a million D CDs, not because people were streaming. I mean that's a that's a million I, per artist. I, I mean, I just like, to me, I felt like all my life, I thought that they had, it was kind of like how they got uh, them out of the the promotion deal earlier. 
I thought Warren D went in there and like, yo, here's the deal. Yeah. These are all niggas. <laughs> nigga, come on. And it turns out like it was actually a very like friendly, oh yeah, guys, let's work it out. Let's uh, <laughs> do it a favor. Here's $3 million. Like that's, that's it. Like I always thought like they came in there with baseball bats and, and basically shook Puff down. So that's was, what I thought. Yeah. I always yeah. heard stories like that they were so unhappy that they were just turning shit up and they had to somehow fight their way physically out of the bad boy deal. That's what I always thought. My country ass, but yeah. Did, did, did y'all, okay. Do you guys remember when, when that album dropped though? I mean, that, that was the most, dude, I'm telling you all that stuff that where they start talking about like they puff had us in shiny suits and we would take it off as soon as the shoot was done and all that. And then, you know, they finally got it done. And we put out the album. And I remember the, the title of the album might be like one of the hardest titles I've ever heard. Because if you understood what was happening with that group, for them to put out that album, we call it We Are The Streets. It was like, all that shit is done with. And then that track, Wild Out, Wild Out came out. Man, like, we, we would wild the fuck out when that song I, came so out. So what's funny, that's, that's from, a West, Coast, right from there, a West Coast post, shouts to Keysign, Bobby Jones, friend of the pot. Um, Corey McLaurin. I had a group, and we would always argue Rough Riders versus Cash Money because at that time they were there, yeah. and I was both. I was trying to play in the middle, and they wouldn't let me do that. So I was Rough Riders, Ride or Die Volume One, Volume Two. You know the locks because when Fuck You came out, oh my god, like. It was just a lot of shit. But when Wild Out, I'm, I was, because I told y'all my embarrassing moments, even though we didn't add that to the segment. My embarrassing moments was seeing Belly once and then thinking I was Tommy Buns. So I'm wearing, <laughs> a, so I'm wearing puka shells. A, Moment of vulnerability. A, a shirts, because I don't call politically correct, we don't say wife beater. So A shirts. And oh, then Jesus. I had a Hawaiian shirt wide open. And I would go to high school like this. With some size Try, 38 jeans and then 38, 38 bro. Listen, different Come type on, of time dude. out here. My, oh, by the way, my shirt, my I shirt was 2XL, by the way. There we go. I'm a little guy, first of all. Of course then, it was. And then I had, and this is the funny thing about him. Amin, Amin gave some passes about a certain amount of Tim's, but when you look back, I would probably only do wheat, but nat, but in 10th grade, I did paprika. I did all the flavors. No, nah, not all. I never did white. I did have. A, oh, that was that one was like like Moby Dick, man. Yeah. Like if you found the white Tim's, it was like the rarest one. Yeah, ever. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. So I had like a forest green. I remember in East Bay, I just was like one forty nine. Yep, fired up. And I was, and that's the thing. Like cats were like kind of like not really paying attention of how much Tim's cost because I always was like, okay, I got the D, oh, I got the D boy look, bro. You ain't even like you know. I got, Burn orange. I got. I even had, the only pair I'd never wore, and I was glad I didn't, was the butt nakeds, right? And Woo, child. what I would I do was about to ask you that. Here's Woo. the crazy thing about it: I would pause belly, try to zoom, like get really close to see how the Tim's should be laced. And I had in, wow. and I was listening. Wow. Yeah, so I would see like, okay, <laughs> fold the tongue, tie it a little bit. And then, like, let the laces. You know how the laces used to kind of get like, if you step on them or something, like they kind of tear. If you on accident, I was really going hard with that, and I really wanted to like 
be them. I embodied that because like hip hop culture in Compton, we don't have like now I could say we have a culture as an adult. But watching BET every day or watching rappers, I I went I jumped from DMX to Fab. And then Fab and then whole ruined my life though at 19. I threw away everything but, but that's no, probably worth money but now. No shirts. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm Wait, 19 tr- dressed like a 35-year-old that don't get no play in the club, bro. I'm wearing, first of all, beanie hats. I'm wearing button-ups with cufflinks. I'm wearing oh the cuff I'm wearing rockerwear oh, jeans with S. Dot Carters, right? And I'm just thinking because Hope Hope told me throw on a suit and get it tapered up. Yep. Yo, hold on. Hold but- up, bro. All the times you you you, you slandered me with Hope. I was fine. I was Yo, yo bro, you had the whole Hope look. I had the whole look. I the beanie hat too. That's the, your the, uncle? the dust off your shoulders. Yo, let me ask you a question. What's up? All right, let me ask look, real quick around the room. Yes or no? Have you ever butt naked Tim's? Absolutely not. Good. Hell no. Okay, all right. Trey, you already answered. All right, next one. The mid Tim's, that like half one. No. No? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely. Multiple. Yo. Mo- multiple crap. pairs. Trav, the halfway Tim's. <laughs> no, no, no low tops, oh, I, no mids, the, I, no buffalinos. He had the low tops, bro. Huh? Had to, had to, had to do it. He had to have the low had tops, to have them, bro. Man. Like, they, I remember when they dropped them. Like finally, I remember. I remember it was a nasty. <laughs> hey, it was a nasty time, right? It was some cats I went to PE with. Oh. It's one cat had the cargo sweats and was wearing them shits oh, and yeah. I was like yo you're oh, gross dog because you know the fit was different then it wasn't it didn't have like the piping at the bottom so it was like nope. wide and you just wide that's like boot cut that's like boot cut sweats you could only you could only wear them with Tim's that was the only type of shoe you could wear them in because it was the only shoe big enough to kind of go with alright here's the next one do y'all remember the convertible Tim's it was a high top, but then you I had roll those. Them down. I'm tripping. I had those. I had those. them. I was you roll them down, and it had a pattern on the inside. I was killing them because then you had to kind of like you was just wearing them, and your jeans were covered. But then you would like sit down and like pull the jeans leg up, and it had that <laughs> pattern. Of, <"Ooh!"> <laughs> Y'all had convertible Tims. You, do you remember them? Yeah, uh, I, I remember. You remember what I'm talking it about? It was like light. It was like it was a light green jerk. <laughs> Hell yep. no. It was a light green, you don't and then the, the wheat. It was, it, was, it was wheat, and then yep. green, like an army. You know how the army boots go? Where they go into that? Oh, come on, don't front on oh, them because you wanted them, nigga. You, you wanted them. No, 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 no. When you said convertible, I'm thinking, man, listen, you talking about the ones that y'all call like the New York people call beef and broccoli and all them Jones? No, nah. no, 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 no. Not just the colorway. Yeah, no, I'm talking about that style. Yeah, th- but that's that colorway. But then it would also roll down. Oh no! Like I mean, the top no, half no. wasn't hard like a like a regular Tim. It was a, 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 a like a, a spineless material, so that you could either lace it up and go high, or you could like unlace it and then roll it down, and it would roll down, and now it became a mid shoe. But like when it rolled down, it had a different pattern on the inside, so you were showing all these little Timberland trees and shit like that. <laughs> See, I did not have. I had the classic, but I did get the Steve Madden, the fake like Manolo Blahnik. The fake Manolo boots, fake yeah. for Steve Madden. <laughs> yep, I had them. And when that line came out, I was like, oh, well, yeah. whatever. 
Hope messed up so many people's wardrobes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I. I honestly think he did that shit on purpose. Like I'm getting old, I'm gonna just ruin this for everybody because I know people just look up to me. But I was just a lost dude. Like you got to think about it. I had 2001 to 2002. I had the sidekick because of Fab. I had the oversized jerseys because of Fab. Uh, Sean John had just hit the scene. Academics had just hit the scene. I had oversized velours. Velours. Man, I was just looking ridiculous. Size eight hats, size seven and five eight hats. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say a size eight? Size eight, eight bro. I'm talking about where I would wear it and like the the logo would be in the front. <laughs> and it got to a point where like it would droop down and cover. But I didn't know, bro, because I would be wearing a do-rag under. Like I was, I was it was nasty times, bro. Like if I look at myself now, I felt cool because of the price. That's the thing. Just because you got money don't mean you got style. And in that particular situation, like I was just overdressing. Because if I seen any rapper go to t- Big Tigger's basement, oh, I was like, oh, I got to go to Men's Land and get that fit. Oh. <laughs> I saw any Men's Land. That's, that sounds. Oh, yo, uh, real. Oh, go ahead. Can I? I got. Can I? Can I ask one? Uh, did you guys have the uh, the Jodices? No, nah, I'm too I'm too young for that. Oh, not the black one. The black I'm too leather young for that. ones with the No. Okay. That was that was a very frat. Like all the, yeah, nah. the frats had had like the, the cues and all they all had those type of boots. And I was always just like, nah, man. I always thought about when you were a kid, you talk about your mama wears combat boots. That's what I always <laughs> think about when, when niggas was wearing the, niggas was wearing those boots with like overalls but no shirt underneath the overall. And the one strap, I was like, yo, that's, nah, that, that wasn't my style at all. Certain things just aren't easy. One-arm push-ups, not easy. Letting your girlfriend know that she's got bad breath, not easy. Talking about erectile dysfunction, not easy. Usually we just brush it off and blame ourselves and say things like, I lost me mojo. Are you guys getting tired of me doing that, by the way? Or we avoid it all together with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. Or maybe you say, oh, your breath, it's giving my wiener a, a, a case of the softies. But with Roman, guess what? It is easy to talk about it. With a healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. Check it out. Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. I didn't stutter. Free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, like one-arm push-ups or uncomfortable conversations with a significant other. But now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Here's what you do. You go to getroman.com slash P-O-M today. If approved, you'll get $15. That's one five American dollars off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash B-O-M G-E-T R-O-M-A-N dot com slash B-O-M. P-Valley. Season finale. Won't lie. I fell asleep in the uh, middle. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. It was I rough. Got up to the point. It was rough. I, Are I, you? 
I got up to the point where I don't know how it ended. I got up to the point where, uh, where they had the rally, and with the with the mama and we shared a wealth right here. So let me play point. Look, this was my favorite episode. This episode was so funny to me. I really enjoy every single moment from Uncle Clifford's outfits. So I, I'm guessing you missed the whole date night. Oh, he went on a date with yeah. a little mother? Yo, that outfit oh, was man. crazy too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the outfit at the rally was crazy. What, did he have a crazier one to the date? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Corset, gold, with the titties <laughs> out. It was cute. <laughs> hey, Uncle Murder, be, I mean, uh, Uncle Clifford becoming a slay dog. <laughs> Uncle Murder is funny, by the way. It was, it was the it was the pink last night. <laughs> yeah, he had to show had up to in slay. the yeah. So it was not the season finale. Next week will be the last episode. Oh, the, oh. thank God. Good, so yeah, good. so we still don't know the fate of the pink, not yet. But this was, I really, we have to talk about this. You have to go back and catch up because this episode was so incredible to me especially with um little murder having stage fright i guess and having to you know so the butt naked little murder little murder has to get rid of his manager and just hire Keyshawn, little miss mississippi because she knows how to you know bring the good out of him she like she has a whole plan of how to make this dude a star while his you know, his manager, he's not homophobic, but he's just like, you can't, you're not going to be able to make it if people find out that you have this attraction. So yeah, I, this episode was so funny. I loved every little quip from, you know, the interaction between Mercedes and uncle Clifford, you know, how she was so upset that, you know, she look on the news and she sees them two, you know, preaching and, Uncle Clifford has a tambourine going in with the black power little beret and every like it was <laughs> it was so good. It was so, what did you think about it, Trey? Did you finish the whole episode? I didn't even get to finish it. I was like, I mean, oh I was so God. tired. You understand? Like I I just moved to Portland yesterday. So I was trying to make it work and then trying to squeeze in so many things to watch. Um, but I'm going to re I'm going to run it back. Cause I really was excited about it and I really enjoyed the show and I don't think that it'll let me down as much. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how they go about into a next season, you know, cause those are the things yeah. that, that you have to factor in. Cause it's a lot that you can kind of get an idea of and say, okay, this character is going to do this. This character is going to do that. Or what do you think about that? And I'm just kind of nervous that this show can really get fucked up the next season. Yeah. Yo, how do y'all how do y'all feel about the the mayor, um, the point that he made, right? That because what's his name? Andre. Andre was trying to shit on him, saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna go down to that park. Oop, excuse me, the park that's named after you." And da 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 da, trying to shit on him basically for being on the take. And the mayor's whole thing is like, "You are the direct beneficiary of all the shit I yeah. went through," and. All the stuff I'm doing is to give more people opportunities. And it may not seem like that to you because you're trying to like accomplish some other shit, but like really I'm the one basically who, who made all this shit happen. How do we feel about the mayor basically saying like, that's just ha- the, the best way to get stuff done? I think it's real. 
I kind of felt, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, you know, he's got a point. I wasn't, I didn't, for the first time, I didn't feel like, yo, he's so shysty. I felt like, yo, he's making a good yeah, point. Yeah, almost like I walk so you could run. Like, you need to pay homage, yeah. like, show me more respect. Of course, like, I absolutely agree with them. It just really sucks at this situation. You know, Andre is trying to, you know, I don't know. What is Andre trying to accomplish besides getting a check? I'm telling you, he a fake, he a fake goody, good dude. Fake good dude. He is. That's all. He trying to, he trying to oversell that goodness. Like, oh, I'm, I do this. And you know what I mean? I, I'm not I care about, yeah, he want to sell that, but he also them. greedy on another end. He think he's slick. Yeah, so I'm guessing you guys didn't see uh, Andre's wife pull up. Oh, oh wow! Oh, I saw that. Wow! Oh, I saw Andre's wife pull up. Andre was Andre was like he seen a ghost. Huh? <laughs> yeah, come on, bro. Wait, she pulled up on him in 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 what? So context? he went to Autumn invited. Andre to come to uh, the pink for one last dance. Um, Mercedes talked Autumn into inviting him. So she sent the text. He pulled up and he's in the room with her. They're alone. She's giving him a dance. She's unbuckling his pants like they were really about to get it in. But his phone kept ringing and it was his wife. He kept, you know, muting it and pushing it off to the side. And Autumn's like, I think you should answer this. It might be an emergency. And she answers the phone for him and puts it up to his face. So he has to say hello. And she's like, Andre, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm at, I'm, I'm at home. And she was like, well, are you? Because you're not here because I'm here, you know? So he had to leave the pink and, and go back to his room, sexually frustrated, and show up to his wife trying to figure out where the hell he's been. Oh man, he should have lied and been like, "Yo, I'm at the pink. We're doing a business deal. We're trying to close this deal." He ain't that slick. So that nigga's not. He's not. Yeah, he's not good at lying on his feet. I, I had two beefs with that scene. Um, one, uh, once again, Andre was about to just—he's about to raw dog it. He, he didn't care about protection. <laughs> like I, I just hey, don't understand. Bad, like, chick, I don't bad get chicks it. make you wild out, big dog. You lose it. Bro, listen, listen, I get it. I'm just saying, <laughs> bro, you knew you knew what you was coming there for, right? Why you ain't just stop and get one on the way? That was the problem last time for you. And then my other beef was, yo, they just let his wife in the room. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like illegal? Oh, I'm, it's a, I'm pretty it's... sure he didn't put her name down as someone that can yeah. get a key, right? But that takes you back to the previous episodes when the hotel front desk guy sees that he's out here doing some sneaky shit. So maybe he right. was like, <laughs> right, right. oh, you're his wife? Perfect. Right, Here's the key. Catch him in some he, shit. He need, he, need to, he need to steal the hotel dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's my that's yeah. my wife, bro. You gotta relax. <laughs> <laughs> Mind your business. <laughs> yeah, like, chill out. All right. All right. Last, last topic. Last topic. Lovecraft Country. I'm going to be honest, man. I got two problems. One is the supernatural shit is just a little too supernatural for me. And two is I'm sensing a theme where every episode we get racist white people who get dealt with by the end of the episode. So each episode is kind of like a standalone, which I'm not really feeling. I want the problems to not be solved within the span of the same episode. 
right? You, you notice that, Jerry? I, I I agree with you, my friend. I um I I actually think it's you're right with the scenario, but I, th- I think it's every. I thought it was every two episodes because how, unless the first one was just a filler, they they couldn't just the first one. Here's it. The first one was the sheriff was the racist guy, the sheriff from, oh, from yeah. that stopped him on the road. Yeah. The second episode was the Braith Whites and like the Sons of Adam in the house. Right. The third one was the people in the neighborhood on the north side. Like in every episode, we're introduced to a racist white person. And by the end of that episode, that racist white person is dead. And we haven't seen a single racist white person survive past the episode they appear. So basically, we're watching a, a horror version of Law and Order. Because every episode is yes. standalone. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. The big payback. No, you, you know, <laughs> it wasn't. I actually, I wasn't as upset as this one until the end, where um, all the spirits come and they they hold hands, and then all of a sudden she goes from being super duper afraid of which I'm not knocking her. I'd have been. I'd have been damn near pissing on myself, and now she's holding hands with the spirits. Like, how did she think to just do that? Like, what made her say, "Let me hold their hands"? Did she? Could she understand them or something? Yeah, I don't know. I, I and she's a bit of an overactor. <laughs> like every time she's screaming, she's so over the top. I'm like, hey, nah, they, yeah, everybody, everybody thought she deserved all the, all the, all the love. Nah, man. Like I'm, I'm really getting st- tired of every time she cries or is scared. It's just a lot of snot. Like she's just over the top, man. Over the top. Like just relax, just relax. You pull it back just like ten percent. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I get it. It's a supernatural show, and I accept it. But it doesn't have to be like. You know what it feels like? It feels like a TNT show. It doesn't feel like an HBO show. It feels like a TNT show, and that's. You know what? This is definitely something that you could fall asleep during the inside of the NBA and wake up at, at like three thirty in the morning, and like you know, what I mean, here in the background, this is one hundred percent that, one hundred percent. Were y'all were y'all surprised that uh, that uh, my man was her, uh, was her first? That tick tick was her first. That's first of all, I'm that's a sick shocked, name, but I no. thought the. I thought the blood was from the um, from the whatever it was the spirit that was in the room yeah, prior. Me too. So I was I was a tiny bit shocked, but then again, like Trey said, I'm not shocked really, honestly. A uh, uh, question: So you like a girl? You walk into a party, you see her dancing with somebody else, and also another dude comes up to you and says, "Yo, I used to mess with her in high school." How are you approaching that situation from that point? And, and obviously, B, we could flip it for you. You like a guy, you see, you walk in a party, he's dancing with another girl, and then another girl comes up to you, he's like, I used to mess with him in high school. How are each of y'all dealing with this scenario? Jerv, let me start with you. Um, because of how homie said I used to mess with her, I'd have been cool with it. But if he had said it like a little different, like, yeah. I used to mess with her in high school, like something like that. Ah, my, but my perspective might've been a little different, but I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. I feel like it's different for women. Like I, it's just 
guys, they y- y'all be out here doing any and everything. So it's like, okay, cool. Who is y'all? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> no, I wouldn't be bothered by that. Okay, girl. Trey. Trey. Did you not pay attention to the question, God damn it? Damn, nigga. <laughs> We only ask an hour of your day. Travis, no, because I don't know why me trying to drag that out. Sorry, I ain't answering that. I'm texting the East Coast. Sorry, I'm not answering to Trav, man. He gonna have all all the world calling me Trav, being rude. I'm gonna start blocking people. But nah, um, man, we didn't highlight the part. You know what I mean? The little boy being Emmett Till. Bro, I asked a question. I, I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> Ask the question again, bro. I said, I said, how would you feel if a girl that you like, you show up to the party, she's dancing, she's clearly into a dance with another dude, and then another, a third dude shows up and says, yeah, me and her used to mess around in high school. I wouldn't feel away. Really? Man, I feel like all of y'all are very like, Forgiving me. I don't like, I'm like, I mean, that, I, I think I have <laughs> really? to base it off of, I think I have to base it off if I was I, 17 or 16 and I really care about, at that time, caring about what people think. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no, but, but like, you, here's the thing. He clearly cares about her and she's shown that she's interested in him. Um, yeah, man, I'm a jealous. See, yeah, I'm not. So well, that's I'll what it, it, I'm not. That's what I'm it jealous, would take man. for you to be off her. Yeah, I mean, I, like, let me put it this way. I probably would go home, and then if I get a text like, you up, I would like, yes. <laughs> yes, it's funny. I would definitely. But no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like to say What's that up? I'm not jealous, but I'm just. But in the moment, in the moment, I would definitely feel like. I, I think I'm too nonchalant, and it, it comes off as too much, I don't care. But in that particular situation, I don't think I would make a big deal. Because that's like, cause, no, I wouldn't go up to her like, I thought yeah, you liked me. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I I just I leave. I just go. I'm fun. I'm I, funny like that though. If you was my girl, you talking to somebody too long. I'm walking. I'm I'm about to dip. Like you said, I'm sliding. You you too friendly. Yeah. That's yeah, three exactly. minutes. That's three yeah. minutes too long. You better say, hey, you out here locking so eyes. So be you out here kicking. Like, you got your arm around him. Like, no, if if you, it's a problem, you falling on a nigga get... arm like that. Like <laughs> come no, come get me. Come get me. I'm so, cool. hey, it's time I'm to go. Because cool. I might I'm be cool. waiting on you to pull up. Like, she been. I'm cool. Like, but that's. I might be isn't stuck. That, isn't that. A, like, to me, that's not cool. I might. That's I might cool, be stuck. Right? Like, you know? You know what I mean? Oh, but damn. She okay. didn't look stuck. No, she, she, she wasn't look stuck. stuck at all. <laughs> but you said I might be stuck. Nah, you just slide. You got to do the big goodbye. Shouts to the big goodbye, by the way. <laughs> that'll be our big goodbye by the way thank you everybody thank you for listening thank you big jerv thank you b thank you trav thank you rob lopez on production uh this has been black opinions matter uh please like share subscribe do all the good stuff for us and make sure you are checking out all the other shows on the network including it's finally official <laughs> i've been waiting on this news for like months yes our newest show on the network. Take it away, B. What is it called? And what day does Crazy, it come out? Crazy, sexy, cool. We will be joining Count the Dean's network 
next week. So look out for us. I cannot wait to join the lineup and we're going to have a good ass time. Mondays, we are committed to giving you guys diverse opinions, diverse shows. This is, I think, a space for a long time. We haven't done a good enough job of addressing. And so I'm really proud and happy to welcome Crazy Sexy Cool to the lineup to give us a different perspective that we don't usually get on the show. Are we getting small doses when B is on with us on Bomb? So everybody, make sure, obviously, if you're subscribed to the Bomb channel, you're going to get Crazy Sexy Cool. Make sure you're downloading their episodes. Make sure you're listening and supporting and sharing and liking because uh, we obviously want to be supportive of the diversity of opinion, but we also took good Thank ass you. show. I, like, I, Look, I don't know what else to tell you. It's a get good ready. Ass show. Get you're ready. Listening. Make sure your kids aren't around because we're talking about everything. <laughs> that, e, that E will be next to the episode. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Explicit, okay? Explicit thugs. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. <laughs>